All right. It was good. All right. Let, let me pray again before I get into the word here real quick. And I'll bless the offering. If anybody has offering, here's the basket. I'll just put it in the back by Jesse. Right in Leslie's seat. Lord God, we just thank you for, for this time with you, Lord God. We bless the offering, Lord God. Your word says that you give seed to the sower. And that word never gets old to me because it is so a picture of your provision, Lord God. And how we can, how we can be um, farmers in your kingdom, Lord God. We can be tillers in your kingdom. You give us things to plant and they grow and harvest. And then we can give those to, to more and more people, Lord God. I just pray for an expansion, not of our finances, Lord God, but of a, an expansion of our gates, Lord Jesus, and our walls. That we would really, truly hone in on Thornton, Colorado. Westminster, Colorado, Northland, Colorado, this region that you've brought us to, Lord God, that we would see mighty, mighty, mighty moves of your spirit, Lord. You're mighty and powerful, and we pray, amen. amen. All right, so last week I talked a little bit about um, Peter. Peter and um, Cornelius, the whole story of Cornelius and Peter, and I'm going to recap for you. If you want to, you can go back and listen to it. Podcast is available. I try to get the podcasts up as soon as we're done here because uh, they're easy to post as opposed to doing the whole video thing. The video thing was a little bit more difficult. I had to edit. I don't have to edit podcasts. I can just upload them because yeah. you can't see me. And the nice thing about the podcast is this, is that you can download them onto your iTunes. I have it on SoundCloud and I have it on iTunes. I upload it to SoundCloud and it goes directly to iTunes. You can actually upload them to your phone or to your Apple um, devices anywhere and listen to them real easy real quick and it's nice so it's on there from last week but the whole point of last week was to start move us moving us in the direction of realizing that that god himself has given our information to people that we do not know and we talked a lot about how, how Peter, you know, when we get a word from God, we want it to be nice and clear, cut and dry. We want God to tell us, here's, here's where you're going to go. Here's what it's going to look like. Here's how it's going to feel. Here's how, it's gonna, how much it's going to cost. Here's everything you need to know. That's the way we want it packaged. But Peter, he gets this vision from God, okay? Cornelius gets an angel that comes to him and gives him all the information. Cornelius is a, is a captain in the Italian guard. He doesn't know Jesus, but he knows God the Father. He worships the God of the Jews, it says. And, and he gets this angel comes to him and says, Cornelius, I want you to go. I want you to find Peter. Here's his address. Here's who he's going to be staying with. Here's his name. Here's everything you need to know about him. I want you to go find him. And he's going to come and he's going to tell you and your whole family something really important. That's the way we want to hear things, right? Not Cornelius is the one that got the word. Peter, who I would put in our place, the people who are trying to do the ministry, do the work, and go out and get the people, he doesn't get this word that comes to him that says, Cornelius is coming to your house. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. Just go with him. Everything's great. And preach the gospel. No, he has a vision of a sheet being let down from heaven, and there's all these unclean animals in the sheet, and then God tells him, wake up, kill and eat. That is how God told him that he was going to be sharing the gospel to a Gentile through a vision that is weird as could be. And, and, we, and we wonder, what, what does this mean for us? Well, this means for us that sometimes 
most of the time. We find ourselves needing to walk by faith, not by sight. God will give us just as much as he needs to give us to get us moving in the right direction. God likes to intrigue his children with, with visions, with ideas, with thought processes that lead us down the path that he wants us to go. And that's exactly what happened with Peter. It wasn't, Peter, don't worry, Cornelius is coming to the house. You're going to preach the gospel. No. So he goes and he preaches the gospel based on this vision that he had. God says, don't worry, everything, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. And from all of that conversation that he had with God, with seeing these unclean animals in this sheet uh, that was brought down from heaven and hearing uh, God say, kill and eat. And then he's saying, Peter saying, I don't eat unclean animals. And God saying, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. He comes to this conclusion that, that he gets to preach the gospel to somebody who's unclean. Does it sound a little bit like what we're accustomed to hearing God? It, it's, it's a puzzle. It's a, it's a mystery. It's a piece. We hear God in part. We know God in part. And then his spirit takes us in a direction with hearing and knowing only a piece of the puzzle. And I said, Lord, why? Why can't you just give us everything we need to know? Why can't you just tell us, hey, we're going to go across the street and in apartment 206A, you're going to meet somebody over there that is going to accept Jesus, sight unseen, and they're going to come in and they're going to become the greatest apostle ever known to man. Why can't we do that? until I actually read in the Bible when it actually happened. You see, as much as Peter didn't have all the information, when you get to the story of Saul, who becomes converted into Paul, Ananias, who was the disciple that got to preach the gospel to Paul and explain to him everything that happened, did get all the information. He didn't have a vision. There wasn't a sheet. There wasn't animals that were unclean. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was a lot more scary for Ananias to know the truth of what he was supposed to do than if he would have just had little bits and pieces. Ananias was probably saying, God, why didn't you just trick me? Let me read you the story. Acts chapter 9. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked for letters from him at the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way. I'm going to stop right there. Did you know that the term Christianity is a term that we made up? You'll never find the word Christian in the Bible. You'll find Christ in the Bible. And I'm not saying that the term Christian is bad. I just think it's really cool what we used to be called. We were called people of the way. So when they would when they would go, yes, it is capitalized. W A Y. We are the people of the way, meaning that we have the way for other people to to come. We're the way that people find out the truth about God the Father. So Christians, when they went out and about, that's how they were known. They were known as the people of the sect of Judaism called the Way. They were actually very accepted by most Judah. Jewish synagogues. They worshiped in the synagogues. They, they weren't hiding from anybody. It wasn't until they started to be hated and persecuted that, that they started to try to hide and run. And Paul, Saul, who became Paul, was one of the main instigators of trying to get them kicked out of the synagogues. 
had them killed and stoned and murdered, put in prison. This all started to happen about the time of Paul. So it says, any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And it came about that as he journeyed, he was, approached, he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise up and enter the city, and it shall be told to you what you should do. And the men who traveled with him stood speechless, because they could hear the voice, but they saw nothing. And Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could not see anything. And leading him by the hand, they brought him to Damascus. And he was dazed without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, Lord, here I am. Now, I find this story interesting for many reasons. One, it happened right before the story about Peter and um, Cornelius. We've got two instances in the book of Acts, back to back, where God goes to somebody who needs him, Jesus goes to somebody who needs him, and at the same time, he goes to somebody who knows him. We need to understand this, this fact so clearly. We need to immerse ourselves in the knowledge that God has given our information to someone else so that they can come to us and get the truth. Or otherwise, we're never going to be able to properly evangelize this city the way that we need to evangelize this city. We're always going to be looking for, okay, well, if we do this, we're going to see fruit. If we don't have the power of God when we do the events... If we don't come to the conclusion that the next time we go out and we give flyers, that somebody is going to walk out of their house that has been perfectly placed in front of us for us to share the gospel with, then we aren't going to share the gospel with those people. As we've gotten further and further and further away from the days of Acts, we've relied as a church on a whole, I'm not going to say uh, all churches, but as a whole, we don't evangelize with the power of the Holy Spirit. We evangelize with thought processes. We evangelize with trying to convince people of what the truth is. And that is not how we were designed to share the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We were designed to share the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ through visitation. Through presentation of the power of God. That's, how the, that's why the church grew the way that it did. Miraculous intervention of the Holy Spirit. That is why we need to focus very, very intently on these two stories and, and know that when, with Cornelius accepting Jesus, it was a miracle. With Paul, a murderer, accepting Jesus, it was a miracle. And we need to take the fear out of it. The, the people who are the most afraid to share the gospel are the people who know the gospel. We need to get a little bit more zealous for what we know to be the truth. We need to be a little bit more willing to express 
the power of the Holy Spirit through power and action, not through just sight and sound of what we know happened. That's why I love, I said this last week, that's why I love the idea of us starting to share more testimonies. Because that's what Peter did. When he went and he spoke to Cornelius, it wasn't, let me tell you everything you need to know about God the Father from the beginning to the end and everything that we know that he did. No, he told him, here is what we saw. We saw Jesus Christ crucified. We saw him raised from the dead. We saw him perform many miracles. We were witnesses, eyewitnesses, and we testified that this is true. That means that we have an obligation what is our obligation right now to take steps of faith? What is my obligation as your pastor to stop saying, oh, I'm just going to keep praying for you. And every time you come in and you need prayer for something, I will pray for you until I see the Holy Spirit move yeah. in an act of power. Love it. Not in a way that makes you feel bad, because I will be honest with you. I watched, I watched a very, very good video. It's called, which one's the one that I watched, Dave? Is the finger of God? So Gil, Gil Jones, who was here my birthday, and he's a family friend we know for a very long time. He sent us this movie. It's called Finger of God. And I'm watching this happen. These miracles happen on this video. People being healed and amazing signs and wonder had, wonders happening in church services. And there was this one guy that he would just pray for somebody. He would just keep praying for him, keep praying for him. And, and the person would finally start to feel better. And there was this part of me in the back of my head that says, yeah, but if he was praying for me like that over and over again, I'd fake like I was better at some point and be like, yeah, I'm good. I feel great. It's healed. Look at that. Now leave me alone because I want to go. There's this, there's this part of you that you say, that's not real. That person's just tired of somebody saying, oh, let me pray for you until it feels better. And then we've got this other flip side of the church where we make people feel bad if they don't get healed right away, right? Because there's this other group of ministers, which I hope I'm never one of these ministers. So you have my permission to call me out if you ever see me act this way. I give you permission. I hope that you would tell me. It's like, oh, you're not getting healed? Gosh, you must, be, you must have something wrong in your heart because I know it's not my God. I know it's not my prayer that's not doing the trick. It's gotta be you. And that's ridiculous. It makes people not want to get prayed for. If you feel like you're being beat up because you're not getting the care you need, is that really ministry? I don't want to be that way. But I do want to be a minister that believes that Jesus does still heal. Yeah. I do want to be a minister that, that, that takes a step of faith and allows people to come up to be prayed for, even in a small setting. Because I'm going to tell you, if I can't do it in a small setting, I'm not going to be able to do it in a, in, in a big group. As I shared last week, it was very difficult for me looking back on the service that we had on my birthday and knowing that I probably had something for that young man that came through the door and I didn't know how to present it to him because I was afraid to just share the gospel the way I could have shared the gospel with him. I, I want to take the fear out of it. What easier way to take the fear out of it than to realize that God has put people in our path? Aha! However, look how afraid Ananias was. And I don't blame him one bit. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise. 
and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many. I can imagine it probably. I don't know that I would be as calm as Ananias was even. He, he's, Lord, I, uh, I heard from a lot of other people that this man, how much he is harming the saints of Jerusalem. And there he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon thy name. He's basically saying this, Lord, you did what? You gave a murderer my face? Not just my name. Okay, Peter got off easy. Because the centurion knew God and wanted to hear the good news. And all God did was give the centurion the name of Peter. So Peter could have got away. Heck, he was going to a house where there was two people there named Simon. One Simon Peter, one Simon the Tanner. He had a way out. Not Ananias. Ananias's picture, his name, what he looked like was shown to, to a murderer in a vision. Why do I say this? Because I hate to tell you, but our names, our faces, the information about us has been given to a murderous group of people who are designed for us to bring them the truth of the gospel. We shouldn't be afraid to go into weird situations. We shouldn't be afraid to speak the truth. You know, if God can give Ananias' face what he looks like, not just his name, what he looks like, Paul Paul, who is blind at this point, can't see a thing. God says to Ananias, you have to be the one to go to talk to him because I've given him your face in a vision. You're the only one that can do it. He's waiting for you. They're waiting for us. They're waiting for us. There's people in this neighborhood that have, weird, have had weird visions, weird visitations from the Lord, and the people that they are looking for are us. They're blind. They've been struck with the truth. They're more than halfway there. All we have to do is trust and go and start to speak. Trust me, this is not, a, this is not the easiest thing for me to say because this is not my... Favorite of the fivefold gifts. I don't like going out and telling people that I don't know about God. It's not that I don't want to do it. It's not that I know that God can't use it. It's that I seriously, honest to goodness, don't enjoy doing it. I like being relational, evangelical. Bring people to the Lord. Be their friend. Start to tell them what the truth is. Kind of ease them into it. Show them God's love. Go show them God's mercy. Show them what God truly is. Be a picture of Christ to the people. I don't like going up to people I don't know and being like, listen, God wants me to tell you something. And oddly enough, he keeps putting me in these weird situations where I have to do it. Why? Because we, we have to do it. We're going to have to do it. We're going to have to do the work. 
to see the kingdom expand. But, but isn't it easy to just do it when he asks you to do it? Wouldn't it make it easier if you just, we just do it when he says do it? I'm in the process right now of trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do our next flyer? Okay, we're going to get a sign made. We're going to put it out front so that everybody knows we meet on Saturdays. That's step one. Step two, get some flyers made up and start to canvas the neighborhoods. Not just once, but hey, who's going to canvas the neighborhoods this week? Put a schedule out. Basically, who's taking this week? Who's taking this week? Who's taking this week? We'll make it so that it's never just one person by themselves. Two by two. We talked about that. Going out two by two. All right, here's a stack of flyers. One hour before church, what neighborhood are we going to hit? We're going to hit that neighborhood over there. Perfect. Walk around, pass out flyers for an hour. Every single person that you see standing by a house, don't wait until they go inside like I would do. I'd be like, okay, let's go. There's a lot of people outside on that side of the street. Let's start on this side of the street. And by the time we get over there, they'll be inside and I can just put the flyer on their door. No, no, no. We're going to go to the side of the street first where there's people. Hand them the flyer personally. I'm going to do this. Say, I'd like to invite you to church. We meet Saturday nights. We're right over there. How can I pray for you? Right, Dave? That's what you wanted to do the last time. We didn't get to the point where we did it. We talked about it. We flirted with the idea of asking people, what can, what can I do for you? How can I be a service to you? Is there something I can pray for you right now? Now, I'm not going to force people to do it. It's going to be volunteer-based. But we, this is going to help us. This isn't just going to help us. This is going to help somebody. We've got a murderer in our midst in this neighborhood that if they find Jesus, like Saul found Jesus, they can help someone else. There's a centurion in this neighborhood, somebody who follows God but doesn't know him yet. And he's been given your information so that you can share the truth with him. And be able to bring him to a new place. A new way of understanding God and God's mercies and God's glory. There is a time and there is a place for each and every one of these things. And our time and our place, I believe, is this spring and in this summer. I believe in this spring and in this summer, we are going to see the biggest outpour of God's spirit in Thornton, Colorado. That we've seen, not just in this church, but many churches in a very long time. And all we, need to be, all we need to do is be willing to tell somebody the truth. Not just tell them the truth, but believe that when they ask for prayer for something, that we can give them what they need. That we can see the Holy Spirit start to move the way it did in Acts. Listen, the disciples in Acts, as they went out, that's why it's called the book of Acts. It's a bunch of different people acting on the Spirit. It's different acts of God's love being poured out onto mankind. And that's where we're going to start to move. In Next week, we're going to go. I have one more instance that I would like to talk about next week about a disciple having something put something, uh, having a person put directly in front of him that it was his responsibility to pray for that person. Even though he, Jesus was on the earth at the same time that this beggar was on the earth. And even though Jesus was healing the sick and raising the dead and doing all these great works, 
Jesus did not reach out to this, per, this individual because it wasn't Jesus' responsibility to reach that person. It was a different disciple. Maybe, just maybe, some people out there haven't received what they need from God because they're not getting it from the right person yet. You see, the Bible talks very, 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 very directly about how a righteous man and a righteous woman's steps are numbered. How he puts his plan in front of us for us to fulfill. God the Father has the power to do this all by himself. He doesn't need us to fulfill his, his, his glory and, and to be honored and to be glorified in all the universe. But he chooses to partner with us. That means that we need to be willing to do some of the things that he would do. Weird things. A couple of the weird things that Jesus did in his time in healing people. He picked up mud off the ground. He picked up dirt off the ground. He spit in it. He made mud and he wiped it in someone's eyes. Weird. Would I be willing to do that? I don't know. Probably not. But what if that's what it'll take? What if somebody who's blind will only receive their sight if I pick dirt up off the ground, I spit in it, and I rub it in their eye? What if? What if? Go all the way back to the Old Testament. Weird things that people did because God told them to do. Elisha has the dead child in front of him lays down on the dead child and prays and, and asks the Lord to bring him back to life. Not just once, but multiple times until the child came back to life. God's prescriptions are not always the prescriptions that we are comfortable with. So let's start easy. Let's assume. Here's the easiest way that we can start. Let's assume that it's true that God has put people out there that only we will be able to reach. That if we don't reach them, he's going to have to find somebody else to do it. Let's assume for one second that if we put ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. That's what Ananias said. Behold, Lord, here I am. Let's assume that if we do that, then he's going to lead us down the path where we are going to get to speak to somebody and lead them to Christ. Show of hands, who is... I'm not going to be raising my hands. Who has led somebody to Jesus in the last six months? Who has led somebody to Jesus... I knew mom would. Who has led somebody to Jesus in the last year? Two years. I am sad to say that as your pastor, I have not led somebody to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in a very, very long time. And I'm not saying that to condemn. I'm saying that as a reality. Because the truth is, is there's people out there that need Jesus. There's people out there that don't know Jesus. But I'm much more comfortable with people who do know him than I am with people who do not know him. And it's time for me to get out of my comfort level. Try to be more like people who minister on the field. 
who will go out and get the work done. Listen, they're not going to just come to us. We got to go to them. But it gives you comfort to know that God has given you to them. God has given you to somebody. You are the gift that will bring somebody to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I guarantee you that Paul always looked back at Ananias with great fondness. I can guarantee you that Cornelius always looked at his time with Peter all the way through the rest of his life as the most important day of his life. How would you like to be the most important day of someone's life? That's what I would like to see us become, the most important for someone else. And I'm sad to say that we're not going to grow unless we go out and get the people that aren't knowing him. That's our inheritance. That's our mission field. My mission field isn't to invite people to church who already know God. If they come, they come. I would like to see people start to come to church who don't know God. I would like to see us start to invite people here that have never, ever, ever thought about the Lord at all. I'd like to see that become our, our, our group, our church, our tribe. We have a good leadership group. We do. We have experience on the field like none other. My parents have seen things, done things, been places that, that people never get to go in a lifetime with ministry. We have amazing musicians who love the Lord and to love to worship the Lord with all of their heart, all of their mind, and all of their spirit. We have people who, who live and work and, and love in the field, who have a heart for orphans, who have a heart for the nations. We have a pastor group who is willing to be here every week and make themselves available so that somebody walking through that door has something and can get something and will have more of the spirit and of what God has for them and will care for those people as they come through the door. What are we missing? We're missing the people to give this to. It's time for this leadership group to move above and beyond leadership and start to go out and find people to lead into the, into the kingdom. I commit to you that I will do it. And I know this group. I know that if I commit to you that I will do it, that this group will commit the same. So let's start to get excited about the things that God is going to do. Let's start to get excited about going out and doing some flyers and praying and canvassing the neighborhoods. I'd like to see that our, our passing out flyers through the neighborhoods over time becomes less about the flyer and more about, you know what God just told me? That we should go knock on that door and see what happens. I'm not talking about every door. We're not Jehovah's Witnesses here for crying out loud. I'm talking about getting a word from the Lord and acting on it and seeing what the Lord does. Lord God, I just praise you and I thank you right now that you are moving in this place. Lord God, I ask for divine experiences, Lord God. These are two such divine experiences. When Peter um, was given the opportunity to, to share you with, with 
um, Cornelius and his whole household was filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. They were baptized and they started to know you in a way that they didn't know you prior. In the divine situation, Lord God, where you saved a murderer, where you saved somebody who hated you so vehemently, and you gave him Ananias so that Ananias could go. And, and your word says that Ananias went. And as he went, he saw Paul, Saul, who would later be called Paul. He laid his hands on him and he healed his eyesight. And it says that Paul started to preach the gospel. And Saul started to pray for people that were healed. And Paul started to convince people, instead of, of trying to kill the way, be the way. God, I would really, 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 really like to see what it would be like to be all in on showing people the way. Not just talking to people who I know know the way, but trying to, to hear your voice and discover how I can be a testimony and show somebody your saving grace, Lord God. I just pray that you would just put this word into our heart right now as we worship a little while longer before we go tonight, Lord God. I just pray that this would just be a time of you cementing in our hearts how much we mean to someone who doesn't have you if we are willing to tell them the truth. I would like to be able to say in the next three months that this church body led somebody to Jesus Christ. That somebody came through the door and accepted Jesus Christ.